Good morning, or should I say bom dia? It's the good morning version in Portuguese, and it's a joy for me to be here with you this morning. Uh, it's a joy for me to be able to share with you this morning some of the things we are learning in our community of faith uh, at East Lake, uh, things we've been considering together over the past year or so, um, things that pertain to the lives of many families in my community, uh, things pertaining the issue of immigration. Uh, you know, the uh, the, the things that are happening in this country and around this country when it comes to that. And uh, we found ourselves in a place where uh, we needed to bring our questions and struggles to the Lord and listen from Him and see what He has to say, see what's in His heart regarding the immigrant. And uh, I'll take a few minutes from your time today just to share some of those thoughts. And um, as Grant already mentioned, my name is Gustavo uh, And you might have noticed that my name is not very uh, common around here. And yes, I do have an accent. And uh, I'd say it's a given to conclude that um, uh, by the way I look and by the way I speak, uh, Georgia is not my home uh, place. Actually, uh, I'm from the south, the real south in Brazil. (laughs) Yeah. Grew up there, uh, went to college in Brazil, moved to the U.S. to go to Covenant Seminary. I uh, met my wife, um, my claim to fame at Covenant Seminary, and the Lord has taken us on a journey, uh, living the life of immigrants in different parts of the world. It feels like just in preparation for what we've been uh, living through here in the U.S., here in Chattanooga. As uh, you heard, I serve at New City East Lake, and I have the privilege at New City to walk alongside a good number of immigrant families. People uh, like myself who came from different countries, uh, have different names, different accents, who look different than I do, different than you do, who found uh, somehow their way to this country, uh, hoping to, many of them, escape violence and poverty, sometimes persecution. Others just moved by the desire to pursue a better life, a safer life. Uh, Others, like myself, just out of sense of calling, You see many stories, many different stories, many different experiences. But I say this one main thread connects us all. Uh, Living as an immigrant is no easy thing. It's challenging. It's difficult. It can be lonely at times. And time after time, we find ourselves coming to the Lord with questions. With uh, questions such as, uh, what does God think of uh, the immigrant? Can we assume from Scripture that God actually loves the immigrant? And if he does, um, how does the immigrant fit in the story that he's telling? What's the gospel hope for the one who lives in a foreign land for the immigrant? And as a community, a community of faith, we first began considering how the immigrant is described in this story that God is telling if he's described at all. And uh, to our surprise, we found that the answer is yes. The immigrant is present in the story of God. Several words in, uh, in the original Hebrew of the Old Testament are translated into the idea of immigrant. You find in your Bibles the uh, words of, for alien and stranger and foreigner. And some of your translations also bring immigrant. Uh, but the most common word we find, and to our surprise, it appears 92 times in the Old Testament alone, uh, is a word that DSV translates as sojourner. And some scholars define the sojourner as the person who is not native to the local area. 
So we as a community then began studying these passages that refer to the sojourner, refer to the immigrant. And to our surprise again, we realized that the immigrant, that the person not native to the local area, plays many of the most important roles in God's stories. Allow me to take a few minutes just to walk you through some of these stories. And let me start with a question. Uh, If I were to ask you, who is the first immigrant in Scripture? Who would you say? First immigrant in Scripture. Well, actually, uh, this group of people brought it to my attention. To fit the definition I just gave you, someone who is not native to the land where they are. The first immigrant in Scripture is the first, uh, uh, one of the main uh, characters of the first story we hear in the Bible. God created Adam and Eve and placed them in a garden, placed them in a, in a land, in a home-like country, a place where they could fully enjoy God's presence and fully uh, follow God's purposes for their lives. Um, but because of their disobedience, they were left to the, to the freedom of their own will and uh, rebelled against the Lord. They were banished from Eden. And a good biblical word to describe this being banished from Eden, from a land, is exile. They were exiled from Eden, from their home country. They were made immigrants by God himself. And after, the, the, as the story unfolds, we fight Abraham, then, as you guessed, being called by God to become an immigrant. Genesis 12, we hear those words coming from God, spoken to Abraham himself. Uh, God says, go from your country, your kindred, your father's house, to the land that I'll show you. And the text tells us that Abraham went and he left his home country and went into the land of Canaan. You see, he became an immigrant. He crossed borders and faced challenges, difficulties. We read in the text, faced hunger and turmoil and loneliness in pursuit of a promise, a promise made by God, just like many immigrants today. As we go on in the biblical story, we find Joseph, someone who became a sort of a different kind of immigrant. He left his home country, not by choice, not in pursuit of a better life, but he was sold into slavery. Um, Then on to the book of Exodus. Through the hands of this immigrant, of Joseph, the people of God then becomes a nation of immigrants, aliens in Egypt. They too crossed borders and faced challenges and difficulties and loneliness in pursuit of a promise. And here in the book of Exodus, we find this promise made by God gaining some colors and some textures. God finds these people in exile in Egypt. He sees their suffering. He sees their pain. He sees their struggles. And God shows up. God meets them in their pain and their struggles. God raises Moses to lead this nation of immigrants through a journey onto a different country, onto a different land, onto a promised land, home. And uh, the Bible tells us that their experience as immigrants in Egypt was so formative that over and over in Scripture we hear God exhorting his people, remember, remember that you too were immigrants. You two were aliens in Egypt. So love, love the immigrant that comes to you. Treat them well. The idea goes on. Already in the land, they possess the promised land. 
but the immigrant continues to play important roles in God's story. So right after the book of Judges, we encountered this beautiful story of an immigrant from Moab, Ruth, who becomes the recipient of God's steadfast love. Not only that, but later she becomes an example of that steadfast love to her community. So she comes to Israel as an immigrant looking for work, looking for a better life. She's taken in. She's treated well. She intermarries. She becomes not only part of their society, but in God's story, she becomes the great-grandmother of Israel's great king, King David. I could go on story after story where the immigrant in Scripture plays a major role in God's story. But let me draw your attention to this one thing. All these stories of immigration and immigrants, although they are different in their context and in their development, in their plot development, they have these elements in common. They have this theological depth, uh, backdrops to kind of uh, intermingle and uh, are meant to fill us with hope. The first one, the first theological backdrop we find in these stories, God is the one who banishes people into exile. He did so to Adam and Eve. He took them into exile. God is the one who called Abraham to become an immigrant. God is the one who sent Joseph to be an immigrant in Egypt. God is the one who brought Ruth to Israel to be an immigrant. There are no, there are no accidents. And it, it made such a difference in my community to realize that their stories are no, uh, there are no accidents in their story. God is the Lord of the exile. He decreed whatsoever has come to pass in Scripture and in our lives. Uh, the fact that we... Uh, People who were born in a foreign country find ourselves as immigrants in this country is no mistake. It's God's dealings. And it's a hard pill to swallow. I hope that's English or Portuguese. But to know that God displaced us, uh, God provided trials, provided challenges for us, brought us to a land that's not our home, brought us to a place where we have no family. Uh, And he did so on purpose. But in this we find hope. There is meaning. There is meaning in our challenges. There is meaning in our trials. There is meaning in the things we have to go through. uh, Our difficulties. There is meaning to our loneliness. God is at work. And they were able to relish and to rest on that fact. I was able to relish and to rest on that fact. And just a pastoral note here on the side. I'm not sure where you are today. But hear this, you're not here by accident. It was no mistake. God took you away from your home and brought you to the top of Lookout Mountain uh, because he has a plan, because he's doing something for you. Uh, Find hope in this. There is meaning. There is purpose. But God exiled Adam. He took Abraham out of his land. He uh, took Joseph into slavery. Uh, He took Ruth on to Israel, uh, but he gave them something. He gave them a promise, uh, a promise that uh, one day exile would end. Their condition of immigrant would come to an end. One day he would lead them back to himself, onto this promised land. You see, the God of the exile is also the God of the exodus. 
We in our community are also learning to take comfort and rest in that truth. God sees our experience, our pain as immigrants, and he's determined to do something about that. He's determined to take us home. So the question becomes, where is home? He's committed to take us home, but where is he taking us? Uh, our, our temptation is to think that coming to this country is finding home, finding the ability to uh, find a job or have uh, safety or buying a house or establishing a family. And as we talked about this, we realized that although we are in a good place, this is still not home. We're not home yet. And as we look at those biblical stories I just mentioned, we'll find out that Canaan was not the final destination those characters, they were still hoping and longing for something more, for something better. We see that in the life of King David, the great grandson of an immigrant, uh, the person who led the people of God in their golden years. The kingdom was established and was expanding, and wealth and influence was coming to them. And towards the end of his life, and we read this in First Chronicles, uh, we find from his mouth this conclusion, for we are immigrants. We are strangers before you. We are sojourners. Not only we here in Israel, but all of our fathers were immigrants, were strangers, were sojourners. He concludes that our days on the earth are like a shadow. This is not it. It's just something that's pointing to a reality far beyond. There is no abiding. That's what he says. There is no abiding. There is no feeling of being home, we haven't arrived. One would expect that after possessing the land and experiencing the blessings of God in the land, David would have concluded, I have arrived. But instead, he feels that there's still more to come. There's no abiding. It's just but a shadow. The book of Hebrews summarizes it well in chapter 11. It says, this, this people, this fathers, this immigrants all died in faith not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were, again, immigrants. They were strangers. They were uh, sojourners on the earth. The earth was not home. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a better country. They are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land from which they had gone out, they would have had the opportunity to go back. But there wasn't it. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. They had that but a shadow. They were still immigrants longing for God's country, longing for home. You see, for my community, and I hope for yours as well, this story uh, becomes quite real. Uh, the idea that in our immigrant experience, there is value. Although uh, it's difficult and challenging sometimes, our immigrant experience is a good thing. It's meant to be. It's a needed thing. And I would dare to say that uh, the Christian experience has to be that of an immigrant. It's a necessity. The Christian is an immigrant on the way to their heavenly country. And uh, the interesting part is that the way to get into this heavenly country 
It's not trying to cross borders on our own. It's not trying to buy a house and to make home here. The way into this heavenly country, uh, Hebrews reminds us, is a Savior. A Savior that comes from th- that very country to rescue us, to make a, ways, a way for us to go back home, to get there. I, I love the idea, the idea that Paul explores in Philippians. Uh, and Jesus Christ, he was in the form of God. Uh, he was in his country. He was in his homeland. However, he didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He was willing to empty himself. He was willing to become an immigrant, this cosmic divine immigrant, to leave his homeland behind and come to rescue me, to rescue you, to rescue us, to take us back home. You see, as an immigrant, Jesus Christ experienced the exile, a sort of a self-imposed exile. He knows what we go through. He sympathizes with us. He knows what it's like to face difficulties and trials and loneliness. And as an immigrant, he dealt with the things that were keeping us away from home, keeping the things that were keeping us away from God. He went to the cross, and on the cross, he put an end to the exile once and for all. He satisfied the wrath of God. He paid our debt. He paid for my sin, for your sin. And now as an immigrant... He's leading us through this ultimate exodus. Uh, He died. He was buried. He went through darkness. He went through death. But then on the third day, he rose again, victorious. Victorious over Satan, over sin, and over death. And now he does that for us. He takes us through the exodus, out of darkness, and raises us with him. And makes us fit for this country, this country that's coming ahead, this ultimate promised land, home, God's presence. This changes everything for my community of faith, for the people that I work with, I serve with, I live with. Now, for those who believe in Jesus, they become citizens. Uh, They are taken away from exile and on to, through the exodus, to the promised land. It's not a visa that allows us to experience that. It's not a green card. It's not a worker's permit. It's a full-fledged citizenship. That's what Paul talks about later on in Philippians. For our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, this immigrant experience that we know so well, living in this world, living in this foreign land, becomes the necessary the needed experience for all of those who follow Jesus Christ. And I'm convinced that this prophetic minority that knows better than anyone else what it, what it is like, what it feels like to go through exile, to live through exodus, they can teach us. And they can uh, help us realize where we fit in this uh, grand narrative of immigration. What does it mean to live in this world as citizens of God's country. And so to conclude, let me just give you two lessons, two challenges uh, I've been learning from this group of people and with this group of people. First one, uh, practice uh, hospitable generosity. As you invite these people into your life, as you become generous to them, not just the handout generosity, but as you make space at your table fellowship, 
your physical table fellowship, but also your intellectual table fellowship, your spiritual table fellowship to those who are experiencing exile and exodus the way you are not. You can only but profit from that experience. Uh, profit because in receiving them and in inviting them, you're also changed. That's what happens at the table fellowship. And last one, righteous indifference. Uh, I think I heard this from Jamie Smith. Uh, the idea that we are pilgrims, uh, immigrants, uh, so there's not a condition of hyper-engagement in this land that we now live. I'm not trying to say that there's no civic responsibility, but there's no attempt of replicating what only home can offer to us. Um, intentionally directing our heart and allegiance to God's country, to Jesus' country. We're not supposed to be hyper-engaged, but we're not supposed to be uh, extremely quiet as well, aloof to the life we are called to live in this country. We live this kind of a righteous indifference where God called us to be. We do not turn stops into permanent abodes. We go through life like Abraham, like Joseph, like David, like many of the heroes of faith who aspire for a superior homeland. Let me finish by reading to you this beautiful definition of the immigrant headed to their heavenly country. The Christian, this immigrant that follows Jesus, he pilgrims, he inhabits, he cultivates, he announces, he waits, he signals, he resigns, he, wrote, he hosts, but he never, never, never works to do what's already done. He has no intention of building artificial havens in this land. The only thing he does is he witnesses. He witnesses through his life and words saying, it is finished. And friends, it is finished. Exiled, exodus is finished for you. And that's my prayer, that we may learn how to live in that reality. It is finished. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for Jesus, this cosmic, this divine immigrant who left his stature. He left his homeland in order to rescue us, in order to sympathize with us and to make uh, an end to our exile and to point us through the way of Exodus, to take us back to you. Teach us how to learn that truth from brothers and sisters who are engaged in a different story, different circumstances, who know better than us what it looks like to be an immigrant. Help us learn from them and help us grow together for the glory of your name. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.